we'll uh, we'll just get rolling, and then at a certain point, we'll just say, "Hey, you want to start recording?" We'll just bring yeah, roll you, into it. Go for it. Cool. What'd you eat for breakfast today? <laughs> Ooh, what did I have today? I, I'm very robotic with my with my food. Are and you my like dietary. a regiment guy? Yes and no. Okay. So I'm very regimented with certain things, and that comes from me being an athlete my whole life and being in weightlifting and stuff like that. So when it comes to my food, robotic is not really strong enough a word. I eat the same thing every day for 25 years, and it wouldn't even bother me. Completely okay. plain, no taste, because I did it so long for a purpose. Fuel, protein, energy, and that was it. So I was just like, eh, not to say I don't like good food, but I could easily just go. Did you weightlift for a while? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still do. You can't tell with this jacket, but... Um, You're, like, pretty jacked. You're a pretty, like, fit guy. You seem like... I'm not, I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all so disappears competitively? Uh, so back in the day, so I was a baseball player most of my life. Okay. Uh, I got hit by a drunk driver, so that kind of took that out of the, the play. What? Yeah, I was on foot. You were on foot and got hit by a drunk driver? Yeah. In fact, Holy it hit me shit. so hard that it flipped me over the car, and my foot snapped down so hard it knocked the plate off the front of the car. Now, in the front of the car, we live in Rhode Island at the time. Okay. They have plates in the front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm from is, Long Island originally, so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you never would think uh, right? that would be... Your relationship with a front plate. A hundred percent. Of a car. Um, and so then that took me, although I'd lifted my whole life for sports, I had to, actually I, had to, I was on the floor for like a year hoping that I didn't have to have surgery. Okay. And then once I did have surgery, I had to teach myself to walk again. And then so when I transitioned back to the gym, instead of ego lifting, I had to be very methodical and careful. And then once I started doing that, my body was just like, ooh, this is this is great. And I actually could actually actually looked like I was a lifter, not just a big puffy, you know, uh, beast, which I at my highest, I was 300 pounds. Holy shit. At 6'1". Really? I was a beast. I mean, so now, like, I'm 6'1 right now, maybe 220, 225, but I'm lean. Yeah. But then I was 300 pounds and still relatively lean. Like, I, I was so big in, in my prime that every morning I have to get up put baby powder on my legs and wrap them with ace bandages because if I didn't, my quads would rub because they were so big, it would get like an abscess. So like you, too big. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So Completely were, natural, by the way. You were... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be my next question. It, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was uh, steak and potatoes. Yeah. And you know, some other stuff. So you're familiar <laughs> with Liver King's work, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, except I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Do you, so you see, were, do you see he's off now and he's lost like 25 pounds? Is he really? <laughs> I showed like a picture. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, dude. not unbelievable, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, that stuff is weird. I I didn't know what to expect. Like, so when you see stuff like that, and mm-hmm. this isn't like a this isn't like a dig at Liver King or like oh, no, sure. worse, but like what what do you think about things like that where people have kind of an image on one hand, but they're not really telling the truth about yeah. I mean, other I think side of I it. think to some degree everybody has that. For sure. Right? And maybe not to that depth. And that was just a beautiful marketing scheme that worked really well and made a lot of people. The guy behind it was selling liver capsules and made millions of dollars. This oh, guy really? was playing a role. Absolutely. Oh, they made okay. millions and millions of dollars. But anyway, again, I think everyone plays that role. You know, like when I'm, when I'm in a boardroom, I am Derek the CEO. You're not going to get the Derek that we go out and have a martini with. But it's certainly not as blurred as what we're talking about, which is blatant lies. Yeah. Right? So – yeah, I mean, listen, everyone, not everyone, that's, that's not fair. The majority of all weightlifters, bodybuilders in that level, they're all doing something. Yeah. And the fact that you don't admit it is just, I don't know, it's just kind of silly, right? Like, I, don't wanna, I mean, we shouldn't say this name. My opinion about Michael Hearn, you know that is? 
six four blonde guy, fifty five years old. Looks like a goddamn Greek god chiseled out of like concrete. Okay, totally natural. Every fifty five year old looks like an eighteen year old. <laughs> but so, but you know, but it's their it's their thing. It's their whatever. So for me, I don't really care. I don't give a shit what you do. Right? Got it. Yeah. That's. Like- I admit that I did it when I was a kid. Well, who cares? It's part of my story. Got it. Yeah. When you were going through that rehab phase, what was that like just from a, a personal level? Like, how did you how yeah. did you go from being, uh, it se- you said ego lifting, so it seems like you probably, or I'm assuming, but maybe like identified with that version of yourself of being Absolutely. like, I'm 300, I'm lean, yep. I can, I can Pick lift up a, car. a car if 100%. I need to. Yep. So like, what was that like to get that reset and then have to build back? Yeah. What changed? Well, actually, I feel like it was the second time I've had to do it in a different way. So I come from a childhood that was very difficult. And so the reason I think I attribute to why I'm so good in situations of stress or turmoil, when things are at like the absolute worst, I mean, I'm, I'm at my best. Like yeah. I'm, I'm good. And I think that's because of where I came from. And so now fast forward to when that happened. I'm not saying it wasn't difficult, but I think I pulled on that from when I was a kid. And it's still true today. Um, I just, I, you know, I knew that the life that I knew was gone and I just decided what my new life was going to be, right? So I try just, I make a transition. I'm really good at making transitions and I believe wholeheartedly that in every transition, there's something better in, in that versus people fear transition because they're afraid of the unknown. I have always looked forward to the unknown okay. and, I, and I've, whether you want to use the word trick or convince, uh, but for me, it's an actual belief that anytime I'm transitioning, anytime something goes wrong, goes right, there's the next phase, I know that it's going to be something better. Got it. Yeah. So, and I've heard you, I've heard you talk about something in, in these different clips and things mm. like that about mindset and going for sure. things and having these full beliefs and, and kind of manifesting the life yeah. that you want. Um, this is something that I'm, I'm fairly new to, okay. but I've been exploring this for the past two, three months or so. Okay. And- I'm noticing a huge change in my life. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not quite there yet where it's fully set in for the belief. I think I've come from too cynical of a place where you you start off like, well, this is kind of bullshit type stuff. And then, um, but this change and this repetition and focusing on the things that I want. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not even sure how to ask this question, but. I think where you, I know where you're going. So how, is that, it seems like this is something that you've kind of mastered in terms mm. of deciding what you want, going for it, making it happen, things like that. Is that something that you've always had or is that something that has kind of always been there, but you've refined it over the years? Like what, how yeah. does that work? For I'm going to start with saying that I, it, I think it's so strong that it's damn near supernatural. Like it's, it's, it's still almost unbelievable to me, except that I'll use an analogy uh, the best liars can can get through a polygraph because they don't they believe that it's true. Yeah, but 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 walk through that statement, right? The power of the mind is is unimaginable. So even as a little kid, when I was in this really abusive, horrific Section Eight poverty stricken uh, environment, I was dreaming about the fact that I was a superstar. Not that time I'm a famous actor or I'm this, but I'm living a life that's so unimaginably far away from where I was that what was happening to me didn't matter. It just, I was, I was there in mind, body, and spirit. And so, of course, I've refined that over the years. And I say refined, I better direct that energy at exactly what I want. So not just 
oh, wouldn't it be great to be a billionaire and, and be on a yacht and, and a private plane? It's more, this is that first fucking step. And then you just laser in on it. And there, you have to, there's a power that I can't fully explain. But when you, when you feel what it feels like to achieve that thing, it makes it real. Yeah. Like you're, you have, you have two, there's two of you, right? There's the, there's the conscious and the subconscious. And when your subconscious believes what your conscious is telling it, it's game over in a great way. Like you're already there. And so you, you'll get there, right? Because you'll mm -hmm. start and you're, you say, you're going to start to feel these little things. Man, it just, it keeps compounding and stacking. It's pretty wild. It's, in, it's unbelievable. And yeah, it's, it's kind it of really like, is. it's uh you can explain the mechanisms it feels like, but you can't really explain that true, force that's, that's right. coming through. Yep. And so for me, it was around money. So for of some of this same. stuff, it was very much like, um, I'm not totally sure why I have this or, and uh, it's starting to dissipate. It never mm. fully does. I think that's always the, the battle of life, these things, but, uh, working, starting this new business, going through these different phases where you get opportunities and you kind of view certain things as even like f afraid to charge certain amounts or to ask for certain things for whatever reason, you're not valuing yourself as, right. as high as you should be or that you need to. And, uh, this focus that I've had on money and actually focusing on, like you said, envisioning that you already have it, how you feel with it, why, and that constant repetition from my conscious mind on my subconscious mind has made a huge impact. And although I still fall back into it, you wake up every morning, you have those negative thoughts. Sure. Now I go on a bike ride and I, I feel like a fucking lunatic because I mm -hmm. sit, I'm riding my bike and I go, say this money mantra to myself over and over. Absolutely. And it's interesting how it's shifting the way that I think because it takes it away from this fear of not making mm -hmm. the money to if I do this, I can do that. And actually, right. if I talk to this person, maybe they can start right. to get the idea of doing their own podcast. And then if I talk to them, this money can come from that and then I can hire somebody to do this. And it's really interesting how my my it rewires your whole change. system. It yeah. rewires your whole system in the day. Yeah. Yep. It, I mean, talk to yourself so much that you think you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> Positively, right? Yeah. And I, I say it all the time. It's one of my favorite expressions. I say it to my my daughters. Be careful what you say to yourself because your subconscious is listening. Yeah. So vitally important. Did you did you always have a like a do you talk to yourself positively? Always. Okay. Have you always talked to yourself positively? Yeah, I've always been delusionally. I love the word delusionally because I have no, there's no, there's no story you could have written in Hollywood that have put me where I am from where I came from other than in my mind. Okay. So for my entire life, again, younger, it was different, but I was always so sure and so positive that there was something great coming and I felt it and I knew it, that it got me through the hard times. It got me through the bumps. It gave me a delusional confidence, delusional confidence that I can do anything. Okay. And if I can't do it, I will put myself in that situation, either figure it out or find people around me that can offset my weaknesses so that I can lead that through. Got it. And so when you run into these, eventually, as even with that mindset, you mm -hmm. run into challenges, you run into problems, oh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So how do you kind of mentally separate what's happening externally and keep that same mindset because you're kind of like living from within. You're kind of living from within your mindset and sure. making things happen. How do you uh, prevent that from 
seeping in, yeah. corrupting the way that you uh, repetition. Okay. But how many things do we do every day without thinking about it? Right. Tons. So that for me, that's where I'm at. So it's just, it's what I do. I breathe. I talk positively. I have no doubt in anything that's going to happen. It doesn't mean that I'm always right, but when it happens, it's of no consequence to me because guess what? That's what had to happen to get me to that greater thing versus, oh my God, that just happened. Now what do I do? Well, it's just a part of what was supposed to happen. Yeah. That's it. It's just a part of the path. Yeah. Bad things happen to get you to good things sometimes. It's never a hundred percent good. So for me, the bad stuff, I'm like, cool, got that out of the way. Just part of the path. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it sounds easier than it is. Oh, it's, it sounds way easier, but, right. and when it's happening, it sucks. 100%. So like yesterday, perfect example. I had five people come back to me saying, we're, we're not interested at this time. Sure. Sales deals don't go through sure. at the time sucks. She of course. Like, oh, it's like a gut punch. But I was thinking, I was talking to my wife last night, baby's asleep. We're sitting there, sitting at the table. I'm like, Oh man, I had four people say no today. Got another email. The fifth one came through. Ah, Shit. And then I was like, actually, I kind of feel relieved because Mm -hmm. in a way, these were things that were looming for one, two weeks that were like, oh man, okay. Maybe, maybe Maybe. plan for it. Do I not plan for it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when they finally said no, um, I was bummed. Went on LinkedIn, saw some guy, posted something, was like, Hey, here's how I took my, you know, sales career from 250,000 to 750,000 was sure. by focusing on the people that will present opportunities that are good customers, all this stuff. Yep. And I realized, yeah, I have two of this huge pipeline that are really freaking good customers. Focus Let on. me go focus on those and find more of those. That's right. And I just cleared out a shitload of fog of war right. that was blocking my way. Their spam email. It, and and it was, uh, I came in today, I was like ready to go. We were coming up with new edits for some sure. other customers and uh, it's just a new sense of clarity after a gut punch, which is, uh, right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a question that follows that up, but it was, it's interesting that that's how it goes. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the recognition that you're, you're, you're going down will change your life fundamentally change your life for the rest of your life, Yeah. right? I mean, rejections, like I said, rejection's great. People are like, what do you mean rejection is great? You, <laughs> you just demonstrated it, right? Yeah. And everything is, and I have my moments, like let's take an example off the wall, when you're injured or hurt. So a lot of people, when they get injured or hurt, they say things like, oh my God, am I going to be okay? I'm hurt. Should I go to the hospital? My mantra is, and I've been hurt quite a bit, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I'm telling you, everything changes. The pain shifts. You get calm. You can make good decisions. Like it's, it's out, it's out of control. So one of my favorite stories in world war one, there was a, uh, field doctor, um, out in the field. Right. And so, you know, when they, when they come in from war and they're missing a leg and they're missing this, they give them a shot of, um, uh, geez, what is the, uh, the painkiller? I can't think of it. Um, morphine. Thank you, my friend. So they give a shot of morphine. So this is actual document. You can look it up. Um, they ran out of morphine. Now the, the guys are still coming in injured. So one of the nurses gives a, a needle of saline and hands it to the doctor. And he says, she says, here's the morphine. So injects the, so, the, shoulder, uh, the soldier. And what happens? He calms down, pain goes away and survives. And he did that for like two or three hours. And then that was the doctor that started the placebo research study, the blind placebo. 
And so hmm. think about that fundamentally, the power of the mind. If you think something is true, as dramatic as your leg is cut off and you're in trauma, it will calm you down and potentially save your life. And that is well documented. So if, if that can happen, you can talk to yourself and put yourself in a better spot without question. Yeah. And finding that belief is sometimes hard, but yeah, I'm noticing you're right that repetition. Repetition and fake it huge. till you make it. Yeah. At first you might feel like this is, this is hooey. This is witchcraft. This is ridiculous. I feel stupid. Fine. Yeah. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. All of a sudden, like you're experiencing, well, actually it kind of feels pretty good. And then all of a sudden you're not feeling stupid. It becomes a thing. You're like, this is how I change my day. I wake up days where I'm like, God, for me, as soon as I open my eyes, that's the only time the stuff hits me. Man, mm -hmm. what, what you're doing is right. Did you make that right decision? And I go, stop. Literally in my head, stop. You're in control. Today is going to be a great day. I think about my partner. I think about my daughters. I get up and my day is shifted. Yeah. No, I notice the same thing. Yep. I go do this bike ride in the morning and that helps yeah. me reset it. And when I don't do that and I don't you feel get, off. Yeah, you feel yep. off for like the yep. whole, it's, sometimes the whole day is like shot. Sure. Yeah, so that's been that's been interesting. I have a question about True. entrepreneurship with that stuff. But did did you study World War One at all? No, you know I just remember where I mean, of course, basic superficially, but, superficially. That story actually I remember now. It's a Tony Robbins story. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because for, for for the flip side, and actually I don't know about this. So one thing that I I tell myself all the time as I go through these things is for not being a little bitch when it comes to running into like sure. problems. And I say that like, to myself often. Yeah. Like. You got to have that flip side. And sometimes one, so this, I was listening to a podcast about world war one, all these things. And sometimes you can get like, woe is me. And sometimes sure. you need to like really remind yourself how good we have it Absolutely. right now. Cause yeah. in world war one, there was a, so they, it was heavy mortar fire in sure. World War One, where the whole ground would basically, like there's places in France now that look like the surface of oh the Oh my moon. God, you can still, that's right. It's freaking nuts. Yep. But when that was going on, that was also the time they started using poison mustard gas. And so not even on the front lines, this was on the way to the front lines, were these huge trenches with full of water, rainwater that had poison mustard gas for, mm. that had rained into these holes. So you have these poison lakes that people are walking around wearing 100-pound backpacks. And these kids are like 17, 18. 18. Right. And that's on the way to the battle Imagine. where people are getting fucking slaughtered. Right. And these people would fall into the holes and drown in poison pools wearing these backpacks and all this stuff. And I remember hearing that. Although it sounds morbid, I'm like – if a 17 or 18-year-old had to deal with that 100 years ago and I'm complaining because I got to fill out like an expense report my, or my something. My Wi-Fi is not working. What, what am I complaining about? I need to stop being a little bitch and I, need to, I need to stack up. Yep. I need to make these sales calls. Right. I need to call these 30 people today even though I know that all of them are probably going to hang up on me. Sure. I still need to do it. I don't know. What's, how do you talk to yourself – in terms of not well, being let's a first address bitch. what you just said. I mean, as a as a culture, we're weak. As men, we are weak compared to like my grandfather, who had a big role in raising me. That was a man. Yeah, I will never be that man ever. 
<laughs> I think I consider myself a pretty alpha male. But we, I mean, like you just said, we are so goddamn spoiled, but we still find things to complain about. And it's the <laughs> stupidest stuff. And I, I'm probably the worst. If I have a car where I don't have AC pumping up my ass, I'm, I'm miserable. Okay? Like, let's, let's take stuff into perspective here. Okay? So, no, I agree 100%. I'm not sure what the question was, but I wanted to, I wanted to validate what you were saying. There's almost no question. I just, yeah, I just I sometimes mean, it's a reminder that you, you just got to... Stop being a little yeah. bitch sometimes. And I, I love that exact sentiment because I do say that to myself do quite you? often. Absolutely. Is that like a little, like kind of. Yeah, I mean, that, come, that like, comes hey. from the whole, you know, the, 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 when I was an athlete, I think my coach said it to me all the time, but, <laughs> but it's, 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 it does something to me. It reminds me, you verbalize it. I'm not experiencing all that, but it summarizes what I'm feeling, which is grow up. Yeah. Like grow up. You, you've got way more than you ever thought you would have. You're blessed. You have this, you have that. And what the fuck are you complaining about? Yeah. Right. And, and everyone, not just men, but we're talking about men, I think right now we're, we're finding excuses in discomfort that doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Like you're not really that uncomfortable. You don't know what uncomfortable is. Not you, yeah, but no. globally speaking, most of us don't even know what uncomfortable, uncomfortable is. And yet we're acting like, oh my God, I'm such a victim. Grow the fuck up. You're not a victim. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, and so how do you talk, I know you help businesses, you you do management consulting, all mm -hmm. these things. I, and I was reading some articles, it's from a higher level, but sure. when you're talking to entrepreneurs and business owners and even some of these bigger companies, they are dealing with these emotions of not believing in things. They're dealing with emotions of sometimes being a little bitch, it happens, but sure. like they're, they're trying to get through, they're trying to believe in this stuff. And sometimes you have like a lack of faith in what you're doing and mm -hmm. getting forward. When you're working with these companies, what are some of the ways that you tap into that to understand where they're at and then help them get over some of these mental blocks that they might have? Yeah, I think the, the bigger problem is when they won't admit um, that they're wrong, right? Mm. So what I mean is, uh, so it's good to be confident in yourself, but it's not good to be so confident that you're unwilling to recognize that there's shit going wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that's the biggest thing. My company's fine. Why am I here? <laughs> Do you get that a lot? Uh, more than you would think. Okay. So, so, so tell me what's going on. Well, everything's actually pretty okay. So the first thing is, why am I here? Well, <laughs> because, you know, so-and-so or this. And so then I immediately know when that happens. And that's where I start. The person in front of me, that CEO, he's the problem. Okay. He's the problem. And honestly, as a CEO, well, let's say not say CEO because we're talking larger companies. Let's talk about the, the founder or the owner. Um, a... I think no matter what goes wrong in your company, you are at fault. Now, it could be directly your fault or indirectly. Directly meaning you're giving guidance or poor structure or poor vision, or you've given those good things, but then you've delegated to people that are now doing it incorrectly. Okay. And no matter how far down the line you go, if you're a good founder and you want to be successful, every, everything that goes right, you're, it's your success, right? But where they lack it is when things go wrong, the bad ones redirect it. You're done. You're dead in the water. You may be kind of successful, but if you want to scale and that's the mentality, you're dead in the water. Is that because they're passing off that responsibility? It's because no one can make enough change to fix a problem other than the top guy. And okay. if that top guy doesn't have the mindset that says, hey, it's my fault, you can't get introspective enough to dig into what the problem is. If, I, if it's my company and I say it's your fault, well, now what does that mean? It's you have to, I'm telling you, you have to figure it out. It never goes right that way. Yeah. 
So for okay. me, I lean into the problem, I follow the cracks till I find the source, I dig around, and then I take it, right? So I've had massive success, and I've had massive failure. In, in the failures, I learn more from the failures than the success. Not necessarily true. It's a different lesson, right? Yeah. But in the failures that I've had, it's changed my perspective on how to pivot and how to make really good decisions in the face of failure, which mm. it's easier to make good decisions when everything's going right, although you can, you can screw up for sure. But when you're about to fail and everything's against you, it's really hard to get out of that emotional, oh my God, what do I do? To kind of draw back, get to neutral and make good decisions. And it doesn't always save you, but the process for me of going through those experiences has allowed me to never make decisions from an emotional state. Okay. So if I'm euphoric, I don't make a decision. If I'm really feeling bad, I don't make a decision. I wait until I'm calm, I'm in a neutral place, and then I evaluate, then I make my decision. And I think that's been just from going through all of the experiences on various levels of success and failure. Got it. So yeah. in, in that case, what is the success? I want to talk about the failures too, but what does the success look like in that case? Or what's an example of a time that you've gone through this and you've done it and then you've seen it work, you see a success? Meaning from failure to success? Just like when you're in terms of going through this process of working with companies, you say mm -hmm. sometimes there's successes, sometimes mm -hmm. there's failures in these. When you go and work with a company, mm -hmm. let's say the the CEO or the executive team is is on board with you. They're like, it's we know this is something that we're missing. Yep. There's there's cracks here. When you work with a company like that, what's that process like to start finding out what those problems True. are? How do you get people on board with making those changes, getting in the same goal. And then what does that process look like towards working to a solution and turning things yeah. around? I mean, it's, it's, it's typically you start with relaunching a mission, right? Okay. And so the mission is important because you have five, 10, 50, a hundred, 5,000 people who are showing up to work every day. Right. And so if they don't have a mission, forget their job. The job is secondary. What is my, what is this company's mission? What is my core? Because a lot of times their job is not there should not be their core daily activity. It should be the mission. And if you lead with the mission, A, the customers are happy, but B, your employees are happy. And I've said it before and I'll say it a million times. I would rather have a happy employee than a hardworking employee. Without question. Because a hardworking employee will burn out. A happy employee will work hard forever. Hmm. And so once you do that and you get your employees on board with your mission, of course it's more complicated than this, but you would be amazed how much that changes the entire landscape of your company almost immediately through the eyes of your employees, through the eyes of your customers, through the eyes of your vendors. And then all of a sudden there's a synergy that occurs and you've in what seeming like six months or a year, sometimes even quicker. Now uh, profitability is up. Expenses are down. Retention is up. I mean, it, it, it happens very, very quickly. Now that's in a case where there's not massive financial problems where it just needs to be tweaked. And a lot of times these companies that I'm going into are really good and very profitable, but something just feels off. And I will say 70 to 80% of the time, that's what it is. I don't care who you are. I don't think, I care how good you are. If you aren't taking care of your employees, you're in a sinking ship. It's just a fact. Now, depending on how big the company gets, you can't always be that guy. And that is a huge struggle I've had in companies that I've built that have become really big because I want to be that guy for everybody. Okay. If you're the 3,000th person I've hired, I want to know your name. I want to send you a Christmas card, but it's not always achievable. It's almost yeah. never achievable. But what is, is I can train the person that's above you to do exactly what I do to the people that are below me. Okay. And then every opportunity I get, whether it's a quarterly meeting or a Christmas party, 
you go out of your way to make that and you would be amazed. I mean, astounded because I still am at a Christmas party for some of this work for me for three years and I've seen them three times and I take time to go to their table, shake their hand, say thank you. you I mean, some people tear up. It's, it, the, people don't want a lot. They just want to feel fucking respected and so many people don't give it and so many people don't get it that if you just take a second, and this just doesn't even work, this is in life. I was at a bar the other day, if I can go off, off yeah, a little sure. bit, but it's, it's in line. And I was trying to buy this restaurant and I couldn't get through to the, the realtor. So, you know, you have the same bartender every week, right? And she said, yeah, for sure. I'll, you know, I said, well, here's what I want to do. You're amazing at what you do. Same bartender. So we go there a couple nights a week. When, they're, when she's not there, there's three bartenders. When she's there, just her. And she's more efficient and she's personable and she's a good, whatever. You get to know her. I go, listen, I want to buy this. I'm going to give you 20% equity. And she goes, I, I don't want equity. And I go, well, hold on. You don't have to do anything different. I just want to give you equity. Just get me in touch with the owner. I did this for like three weeks. Finally, I go back. I go, hey, what's the deal? She goes, ah, you know, they just sold to somebody else. And I go, time out. So you're telling me I offered you 30% equity, ownership in a company, and you were too afraid to go talk to the owner just to call me. And she goes, well, and I go, do you want to know what I think? I think you don't believe that you deserve something like this. And I don't want to tell you right now. I think it's sad that I see more in you than you see in you. She didn't say anything. And the night went on. Came back the next week. We walked in. She took me aside, started crying, broke down crying and said, what you said to me, I sat there for the next, I'm going to tear up. I sat there for the next week. She said, and you're right. I don't think enough of myself. And you, you, you've changed my life with what you just said. She gave me a hug. Like, how simple is that? Like, get out of your own goddamn way. Do something meaningful for somebody else. And, and, and that's a lot of the problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when, when I mean shit, it gets to me. For sure. Yeah. Well, and dude, I think a lot of people miss that, right? 100%. I th- it, I, and I, I, I've experienced this, uh, this personally on the receiving end, but I think a lot of people don't see that value in themselves. I, I've had that personally, sure. but also not, not even from – from a woes me perspective, I've seen businesses where you have leadership that doesn't, they don't understand that people are people and that you need to actually kind of do things to motivate them and understand what they're going through. And a lot of people talk about this, but they don't do it. Like it is, I love people. I really want them to succeed. And I, it's a script. Yeah. It's a fucking script. script. And, and I've, and I've seen it actually where it hollows out, uh, a company and you take you take what uh used to be yeah sure management was a pain in the ass all these things and they worked really hard and they pushed you and when you were full of shit you you had about three days before somebody figured out that you were full of shit right. and then they called you on it and you can either change it yep. and improve or your time there wasn't That's very right. much and then the message of love comes in and then people don't have to really work for right. months at a time because nobody's paying attention. And ultimately that actually seems like it hurts people more because it, it stifles like a company's ability to grow. It stifles mm-hmm. the opportunities and it stifles the reason why you even want to show up hundred percent in well, the first place. Yep, Agreed. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It, that was a, that was a huge life lesson. And, um, and so let's say in like a, 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 I know we're jumping all over. So no, in like a mer- yeah. merger kind of situation, yeah. I know that you, you um, actually, I don't really know. I've read, so <laughs> I won't say I know, but yeah. 
um, from the kind of a merger perspective mm-hmm. and you know, combining companies sure. and doing that. And when you take over and you and you start incorporating an existing company into mm-hmm. a new company, what are some of the things that you look for in terms of making sure the people that are part of that are taken care of, that this isn't just lip service, like we love you, and then all of a sudden, six months later, everybody's freaking gone and the culture's like decimated. What are some of the things that you do mm-hmm. to make sure that that transition goes as smooth as possible? There's always hiccups, but- For Sure. Now, you're talking about mergers. Um, you say you read about, you mean the Forbes article, that type of high-level merger or, or just sure. acquisition? Yeah. Yeah, that we, yeah. let's do the, the merger well, Maybe first. just a quick overview of that, right? Yeah. So let's just big picture. So let's say in any industry, there's there's the massive giant, right? There's the, they, they own the majority of the market share. You cannot compete with them because they have market share. They can buy it, reduce costs, blah, 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 Re- brand recognition. But then in every one of those markets, there's also sub-markets of smaller, really successful companies. But their profit margins are lower. They can't scale because the market share is taking all that type of stuff. So what I do is I identify a market that I consider is ripe for um, a merger of this style, various boxes that I check, right? But almost every one of them you can do it in. And so I take all of these, let's say four or five really promising, successful companies in their own right. I push them together into one company that operate underneath an umbrella company through 3F Management, my company. And now we have shared resources. Now, what every one of these five companies have individual, if you put them together, they are just as strong as this company. This one might be great at technology. This one might be great at operations. This one might be great at this. So the first process is let's get together with the five CEOs and their C-suite team, if they're that large. And let's talk about what are you best at? What are you worst at? And then we start plugging in. Okay, great. Your tech is great. Mine sucks. Throw my tech out. Your ops are amazing. Look at your retention. Throw my ops out. Put yours in. And now all of a sudden, we've got we've got this beast of a company that's yeah. really strong. And then we've got a board. Okay? So the board is each one of these companies identify one or two of their key people to go up to the board. Now they're making decisions together for the downline, which is all of those. And so now we've got equal market share or close. We've got shared resources, shared best practices, shared technology, and a couple things happen. Either we're coming after that conglomerate, or more likely they go, hmm, we don't want to give up market share. We're just going to acquire you. And then every one of these companies gets a higher multiple on their exit from their company because it's shared revenue, shared EBITDA. okay. And so with that approach, by Mm -hmm. taking these smaller companies that specialize and that all these smaller companies always do something that's 100%. way better than and sometimes the big way than the beast, the, the conglomerate. Way better. A lot of times, the individuals Absolutely. do something way better. That's right. But that market share, and so if you've got, let's say in this case, five different companies, mm-hmm. and they're all specializing, but you want to take the best of each, as you bring up people from within those companies, mm-hmm. you're actually bringing up the expertise that exists within that company already. So you're not just bringing in these like shell managers that don't know what the fuck is going on with the actual operation who couldn't tell you what pains their customers have, who can't tell you how the system works, how it was built, the landscape. You have people that actually understand what's going on in their business Mm -hmm. and they can take the best of that and plug it into five other key best pieces. So you've nailed it. So this company's best at tech. Let's bring up the main tech guy. Now they're in charge of the decisions for tech for all of the five. Whoa, this okay. guy's best at customer service and operations. Bring him up. Questions for the other four. He's making the ultimate decision on that. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, we are we are a powerhouse. Every one of them are a powerhouse individually now. But then you put them together, it's super exciting. 
And then yeah. exit gets so, so exciting because let's just say you own one of the five companies and you haven't joined yet, right? So let's say you're making, I don't know, $2 million a year. You sell, you get an exit of, of five multiples. So you get $10 million. Beautiful. Now you combine with four of the companies and now your EBITDA is, I don't know, $25 million. So not only do you get the benefit of that, now instead of your exit being two or three, now it's eight, nine, or 10. So instead of getting 10, you're getting 16, 17, 18, 19 million for doing nothing other than becoming a better company and joining this umbrella. You're still operating independently day to day, but the umbrella company of this C-suite team that we've developed is doing so, okay, I need X widgets. I need X widgets. I need X. So instead of placing five orders, you place one, you've got volume, price goes down. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that solves that issue of- and There's complications for sure. For, for, sure, for sure. But, but having that- In a bubble, that's how it works. Sure. But, so, but having that expertise coming from within those companies, at least probably for the most part, mm-hmm. I'm, sure, I'm assuming there's times where you got to plug somebody in. 100%. But and this overarching, like my, I'm the overarching sentiment for sure. But again, my goal is not to step on toes in any situation. It's to evaluate, encourage, push. And then I'm an angles guy, right? I, I see the stuff sometimes people don't see. And then I encourage. I don't, I don't jump in because I, I couldn't do everything I do if I'm always jumping in. Sure. And I don't believe in it either. Um, so that's how, that's how, that's how it works. Okay. Yeah. And what, and so that, that does solve the people part because mm-hmm. when you have people that are competent in these leadership sure. roles internally, then you can have, then you can plug that into people on the, the ground level that are working directly with the customers know that their leadership right. knows what's going on. If you're on. a company too, and your retention sucks and operations suck, and then tomorrow you've got someone that's amazing. They're like, Hey, how are you? How's your family? What do you need? You're like, Okay, this is going to be different. Yeah. Or technology issues. My software doesn't work. I can't get my bids. I can't do this. I'm losing customers. Next day, here's new technology. It'll never fail. Here's a solution. Here's your IT guy. Oh, okay. So yeah. now it's you go deeper than that, but it's, it's amazing how quickly you can change the landscape in that scenario um, and on a large scale. Okay. How do you get these – how do you get the, the former individual business owners – how do you identify – Who's going to be able to become part of this team? Because mm-hmm. you do have to have people, it seems like, kind of get on the same page and, 100%. and be able to operate and, yep. and shift and transform, really, yep. as both a business and a person. So mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that you look for that, or how do you help people through that process? Um, that's me. Okay. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Right? And so I've got strengths. I've got weaknesses. But what I'm very good at is, A, having a vision. But even better than that is translating that vision and getting other people to believe in it, right? Okay. And so that's what it comes down to. Now, to be fair, I've had my fair share of people go, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay yeah. because what I just said, cool. Then it wasn't going to work anyway, Sure. right? And so uh, it seems like a really complicated process, but it isn't. I identify a market um, or someone says, hey, you know, there seems to be like a hole here, which is really what happens more often than that. I don't want to take all the credit. Hey, have you ever thought about this industry? I'm like, no, not really. Show me. I'm like, ooh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Now I go, so who's the big boy? This, perfect. Who are the next four or five uh, high-level pe- uh, companies here? And I go, okay, let's, let's put a meeting together. And I just pitch. Even, even at my level, I'm still pitching. Yeah. But the pitch isn't very difficult, mm-hmm. right? Here's my experience. Forget my experience. I don't even really matter in this. Here's the structure. Here's how you make more money. Here's all you do is get better. You're still in control of your company. What's the pushback? Sometimes fear is just like, I don't want to do it. 
But 90% of the time people go, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. And then the only real challenge is the five founders or the five CEOs, they need to put their whatever aside. Um, and that's typically if something goes sideways, it's in that room. And for no other reason than ego. My company's great at everything. I hear that all the time. And in my mind, I'm like, man, he's out. <laughs> he's out, right? But the guys that come in and go, listen, this, is, this sounds really great. And here are the weaknesses in my company. I'm like, okay, that's the guy. And honestly, even if the deal falls apart, that guy, I'll circle back and say, let's scale your company together because that's the mindset that you need. Yeah. Yep. So, so you do, you take multiple approaches. You'll kind of combine right. these things. You'll work directly right. with companies. Yep. Okay. Yeah. For me, I'm very all over the place. It's not a right thing. Um, there's opportunity in, in every interaction that you have, right? And that's why I take most meetings. I used to take all meetings. And people go, oh, you have FOMO. I don't fear missing out. Um, I, I believe wholeheartedly that every single person I sit down with is an opportunity today, tomorrow, or in 10 years. So I'm a relationship builder. Sure. Right? And now there are some people that I meet instantly. I'm like, I hate that human being. <laughs> I will never talk to them again. But I won't tell them because who knows if in five years he's sitting on a board of a company I'm trying to acquire. Worst case is he was like, oh, he was actually a decent guy to me. Yeah. Right? And so, again, that's emotional regulation, which is super important, which most people have zero emotional regulation. Yeah. Hey, you're a jerk. Fuck you. Yeah. Someone says to me, I'm a jerk. I'm like, yeah, actually, you're kind of right. In fact, that's the nicest thing I've been called in a long time. <laughs> but that response, people go, oh, maybe he's not a jerk. <laughs> like, it's not that hard. Like, relax, everybody. Yeah. You know, everybody's so ready to attack. And, and everyone's getting canceled. And everyone's got, and your opinion sucks because it's not mine. Let's, come on, let's slow down. Like, yeah, well, things have spiraled out of control here. And half the time when you actually sit down and talk with somebody, you're like, all right, this, this is not, this is not yeah. what I thought. Because right. you, you, you have an image on social media. You have all sure. these different things. That, like you said, the, there's multiple faces of who everybody. you are and, and everything right. like that. So I don't know. There's people that I thought were huge assholes. I've met them. Sure. I was like, hey, why don't you not do that on social media? Why don't you just, <laughs> why don't you just sure. be this person? Sure. But they, they have – you know, it, it works for them. So, well, I love that because uh, I would say not a lot, but from time to time, I'm sitting down with a company that I want to invest in. I see opportunity, and I'll have them say, you know, which I respect this statement by the way. I've heard bad things about you, and I go, okay, is it from anyone that knows me? Well, I don't know. Well, let's stop our conversation. Find out if they've ever met me. So, be right. So, people are people prejudge everyone. Look, uh, sure, I'm not, I'm not mad at it, right? Yeah. I drive what I drive. I dress how I dress. I don't care if I'm going to the gym or coming to whatever. I, I like to dress well. I don't see the inherent problem with that. But some people are like, that guy's an asshole. So is it jealousy? Is it prejudgment? None of it really matters. But sure. like you said, get to know people. Sure. Do I look like a douchebag sometimes? Getting out of my Rolls Royce, dressed in a suit on a, on a Tuesday at 10? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I do. But let's have a conversation. Yeah. Right? Because that's the CEO, Derek. There's also the dad, Derek. There's the partner, Derek. There's a charitable, Derek. There's the, all of those types of things, right? And so, I don't know. I think it's a big miss when you judge people until you really get to know them. For sure. Yeah. Well, actually, I was curious. So, I know you've got a big following on Instagram. You yeah. got you, on social media, everything like that. Not interested so much in like the way that it happened and all these yeah. things, but more so, what are the opportunities that having that kind of platform has created for you? Like, yeah. what kind of doors does it open for you? Yeah, so for me, it's relatively new. I mean, okay. so let's call it less than a year. And a year up until a year ago, I would have said, I'm never doing anything on social media because I just never had. Sure. I've never needed to. I didn't see the value in it. I thought it was nonsense. 
And then an event happened that threw me into the spotlight for what I've just been doing my whole life. And I was like, okay, let's, let's test it out, right? And then as I dug into it and I became open to it, um, I really realized that uh, attention is the new uh, currency, right? Now, that can be in a bad way or a good way. And so I'm still finding my way through what it means to have a following on social media. Right now, it's really positive. I'm not selling anything. I'm not, you know, but I'm answering, I don't know, two, three hours a day. I'm answering DMs from really meaningful people who are like, hey, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Or I got this contract. It feels scary. And uh, but for example, a contract came through an artist in New York. Um, there was a firm that wanted to represent him. And he started talking to me. I was admiring his art online. He sent me some stuff. And he talked about it. And I said, I'll tell you what, man, just send me your contract and I'll look at it. And so I looked at it. And there was a, a power of attorney. There was a bunch of like really dirty, grimy stuff that would have destroyed this kid's life forever. And so I'm doing a lot of that. Um, and it's taking a lot of my time. And I'm not making any money. But I feel really good about it. Yeah. And so where this takes me, I don't know. I know it turns into something. And ultimately, if anything, I'm going to use it as a deal flow. So if you have a company and you want to grow, come to 3F Management. We'll see if it works. We'll help. We take equity. We invest money. We do all of these things. But there's also... I never thought I would say this. Like there is a pot, there, there is a part to this where you can actually be philanthropic on social media. And I don't know that that's ever been done. How so? Uh, the way that I'm doing it, like it, it's not publicized and it never will be. But if, if someone reaches out to you and is like, Hey, I'm, I'm lost. I, I feel lost. I hate my life. I think people say, I don't even know if I want to live. And then you just don't respond or delete. Like, are you a broken human being? Yeah. Right. And so there's at least a give back mechanism there. There seems to be, and I, I just say I was blissfully unaware, or at least to the extent that it is, there's a lot of really lonely, sad men and women who really want more for their life but are so frozen they don't even know what that next step is. So if I could take 60 seconds out of my goddamn day to say a few things and that changes their day, like we just talked about with the bartender, I'm going to do it every day. And I'll do it for as many hours as I need to. For sure. Yeah. No, and I think – so one of the things that I, I do appreciate about the things that you put out is I'm a newer entrepreneur. Cool. I, I look at some of the stuff that you've done. It's Yes, it's impressive, but also it's helpful. Like there's actually – there's helpful things in there that get me sure. thinking about new approaches, new strategies, new ways that I can apply some of these lessons to either my business or my mindset. I do appreciate that it's it's real stuff. Right. Um. Yeah, that is actually an interesting part of it. Is like you can give back you can. from that just by sharing you don't the experiences. Have to just take. Yeah. No, that's um, sometimes you can take and give at the same time, right? You do have a choice. Well, and it's it's by giving and by mm-hmm. sharing this stuff, you can help people figure things out, which does it does Absolutely. bring back good karma. It does, it does bring back like good opportunity. It's not an unselfish act, although For you sure. could argue that it is. But I'm not, when I say I'm not doing it to gain anything, but I do know that by doing, I will gain. So For is sure. that selfish? I don't know. I think it's just wise. Yeah. And I have no expectation of anything. You know, a kid in New York who's a struggling artist, I reviewed his contract. I'm not getting anything from that. But guess what? I actually did. It actually made my day really great. And he sent me a little package with some art and stuff like that. So it's just, I don't know, man. There's a lot of ways to measure wealth. Yeah. You know, and they're not all financially based, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and so I had a quick question. You put out a video that said consolidate these small businesses with cash flow anywhere oh, from yeah, like I love this. 60 to yeah. 150. Can we can we dig into like some yeah. of the mechanisms of that? Absolutely. So I don't know where to start with questions on that. How does that work? Yeah, it's funny because we talked about it, right? <laughs> um, so it's really simple. And I think the question, well, this is the thing about reels, um, the 30 seconds. Yeah. Right? There's a lot more behind it. Um, but podcasts come out and all that type of stuff. That's why I do this type of stuff. Um, so let's use the landscape company. I think that's what I talked about on the reel. Um, so let's say, let's go two ways. Let's say, A, you're working at a landscape company. We'll come back to that. Let's say that you uh, have worked at, let's say you don't even work at a landscape company, but you, for some reason, you want to own one. A, go work at a landscape company for six months. Learn how it operates, see the issues, see the problems. So that's that's one. Or you've already been working there six months, a year, five years, whatever, and you always dreamed of owning your own company. Okay, why don't you do it? Well, I need money. No, you don't. I'm not experienced. Yes, you are. I'm afraid to do it. Get over it, right? So let's say you're making $25,000, $30,000 a year. Now, I'm just going to use biz, buy, sell. It's not, it's not good. It's not bad. It's middle of the road. And you go on to biz, buy, sell. You put in landscape companies, Southwest Florida. 300 of them will pop up. Some of them will actually say, no money down, owner financing. Some won't, but you can do it with all of them. Okay. Right? So let's say you have a company that's made, you're making 30 grand. So let's say you have a company that's making 60 grand a year. And you go in and you negotiate that you're going to take over the company, zero money down, and you're going to pay them out of profits over the next six months, 12 months, whatever. Seems insane. Why would they ever do that? It, trust me, it happens every single day. You got to find the right company. Maybe it's a guy that's had this landscape company for 25 years. He's exhausted. He just doesn't want to do it anymore. And he goes, all right, kid, take it. Again, seems unbelievable. Happens every single day. Mm, okay. Every single day. Now, let's say you find one that says, listen, I love it. You're a good kid. I'm done with my landscaping business. I need to get a little bit of money first. So what do you do? You can go to your friends and family and get five grand. You can apply to the SBA and get five or 10 grand. It doesn't take a lot. There's, there's always an answer, 100% of the time. If you can't figure it out, it's because you gave up. That's okay. just the bottom line. Got right? it. So now you acquire this company. Now let's take the case where you've put zero money down and you're paying um, 60, 60 grand off over 12 months. So let's call it $5,000 a month, right? So uh, you want to obviously stretch that out a little bit more, but you paid it off in say 12 to 24 months. You've doubled your salary and you own a company that you can sell. So you're making 30, you paid off the company, keep a little bit of money for yourself. So let's say the first year you're still making 30 grand. Who cares? You're not any worse off. In fact, you're way better because now you own a company. So after year one or two, you're paid off. You've doubled your salary. You've got experience as an entrepreneur. And a lot of times you can ask the owner, hey, could you stay on for like 30 or 60 days and just kind of show me Show me the book, show me how, how do you do payroll, and they absolutely will do it. So all of the fears can be adjusted or hire ADP to do your payroll. Hire a CPA to do your books. Like there's an answer to everything. Sure. Right? Or find some idiot like me and I'll help you. Right? <laughs> like it's not that hard. There's always, there's going to be for every 10, every 10 people, even if nine are assholes, if you get through the nine, you're going to find one that isn't. Yeah. Right? And so, so now you're making double your salary in a year or two. Fantastic. Now you can stop there and be happy or... You can then go, okay, um, I have, seem to have a lot of business in Cape Coral. Uh, there's another uh, landscape company in North Cape Coral, or there's one in Fort Myers, or there's one in Benito, there's one in Estero. Now I do the same thing over there. Oh, but how could I be in both places? Well, you don't need to be. You could then become a floater. You could have two managers, or you could have two managers, and you do nothing, and you go acquire a third. And so it starts to compound, right? You have to start stacking experiences 
Mm. And as you do it, you become more and more confident, more and more savvy. And the more that happens, the more you put yourself out there, the more people you meet, the more opportunities that arise, financing becomes available. All of a sudden, I was a landscaper five years ago. Now I'm a millionaire. And now, you know what? I'm going to do something bigger. And it sounds so imaginable when you're here to ever get there, but it happens so quick if you just start. It mm. really does. And okay. that's applicable in any industry that you're in. Okay. And do you normally, when you look at this stuff, does mm. it work best in service-based businesses or it can be in other businesses? It doesn't, doesn't make a difference. Okay. So many people have asked me after that post, and the answer is, what are you interested in? Yeah. Or what are you passionate about? Or what do you see as really successful? Like, just dig into it. Or for me, I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I buy cash flow. Okay. I don't care what it is. I don't care because well, if I'm why? Not, why? Because I, I'm not the day-to-day -day guy. So I have a luxury. Although even if I, I, I didn't, it really wouldn't make a difference. So you said it and, I, and I'll, I'll concur. I chased wealth. I chased wealth. I did it because I was so poor and so afraid and I wanted to change the landscape of my life for my family, my children, and everyone that that's what I, cho I chose to chase. But then when I got there, the reason that I got there made me pivot immediately with my use of funds. Right. So uh, I, it doesn't, it, for me, it does not matter what the industry is because if I can't add immediate value, I find someone that can. Got it. Yep. Okay. So then that's how you can remove yourself as the, the obstacle. Yeah, if you want to scale, you have to remove yourself. Got it. A hundred percent. You have to be working on it, not in it. Eventually, not in the scenario that we're talking about. Yeah. Get in it. Be yeah. the guy, save the payroll, do all that type of stuff. But eventually as that happens, you'll slowly, hopefully start pulling yourself out. Because you, you, you can't even go from one unit to two if you don't do that on some level. Got right? it. Got it. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I, I like that approach. I, I got to figure out how that plugs in. Because one of the things that I'm thinking of with this business that – so I see with videography and all these different kind of things, it's – you probably see it too. Is A lot of people don't know what the hell is going on with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And – Sounds like opportunity. It's it's. I think it's a huge opportunity because I think there's quite a few people that that want to do the videography yeah. stuff. And you talk to marketing companies too, and it's nobody knows how to incorporate. It. And I think I think taking kind of a service based approach mm -hmm. to this may be a way to actually grow and scale something. And it's something that I'm exploring now. Why wouldn't you? Um, so let's let's take this as an example. Yeah. Right? What would you say your core competency is? Helping, so the, the business. Very specific, podcast, uh, content creation. I know it's more than that, but just. Helping but, business owners make video content. Video content, perfect. Yep. So let's say that's your core competency. We'll do this merger thing, right? So let's, let's name four other things. So video content, then we've got what? Give me three other core competencies. If you were going to build a completely inclusive uh, media company. Getting people comfortable on camera is a big part okay. of it. So screen tests or something like that. Let's say photography. Let's say photography, video, editing. What, what else? Distribution. Distribution. Perfect. doesn't matter if it's completely sure. accurate, right? So now you're the guy with the idea. So now find four people that either have their own company, as small as it may be, or four people that use on social media are just doing it really incredibly. And then get in there and say, hey, let's, let's, let's get together. 
right? And so whether you're 50% and they're 20 each or you're all 25% across the board, it doesn't really matter because the sum of the five of you is always going to be greater than you by yourself. Yeah. And so now literally overnight, you've become a, not a conglomerate, but you've become a fully comprehensive media company. And if you've identified these people correctly, they're, they're going to make you think better. You're going to make them think better. And all of a sudden you've gone from wherever you are to four or five X and it can happen so quickly. Mm, okay. And so, so in those cases, you would want to look at the business that they've got, what they're doing well, sure. take a look at the cash flow yep. piece of that. Sure. And then that's where you would come in and plug in and negotiate for 100%. buying it out or partial ownership sure. or whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay. If all five of you are making a hundred grand, it's an easy, it's an easy deal, right? Mm-hmm. But often there's some variances, but it, it's, it's not that difficult to do. Mm. Really isn't. Where do so, you start in that conversation? What does that look like to go to these businesses? I've got an idea. Okay. I mean, it's really simple. Right? Don't overthink stuff. You're a smart guy. Just get in the room with the people that you think add value and have a conversation. It really is that simple. Got it. And for me, we talked about it yesterday. Every first conversation I have, no matter what the deal is, whether it's a million-dollar deal or a billion-dollar deal, everybody wants to jump in. What's the detail? Did it, me? I, I, I loosely talk about this stuff. I want to tell you my vision. Big, big picture, very loose on details. I want you to get to know me. I want to build trust. I want to show you that my, what my morality is. I want to show you what, my, uh, what you're getting in a partner. And then let's step back for a bit. Go home, think about it. Then meeting number two, cool, let's get into it. Because if, you, if they come back or if you want them to come back, at least on a superficial level, I can deal with this guy. I like mm. his personality. I like where he's going. I like what he's done. So now you've gone neutral, right? Um, because first impressions can suck sometimes and the people go away and go, actually, you know, it wasn't that bad. Maybe I just kind of was having a bad day. Yeah. And then you get back in there and you talk about it. You've given them all time to think, and then they're going to have as much to say or ask as you. So I just pitch the big picture, get to know each other. Maybe it's over lunch or whatever. And then say, let's do, let's do a follow-up. And in fact, a lot of times, hey, let's get into details. Like, well, listen, I think today I just really wanted to get to know you. Um, I can't be partners with someone that I can't at least have a coffee with. Yeah. And so I got to run now, but let's schedule. And then next meeting, let's really get into it because I feel really good about this partnership. And then get out. Okay. Everyone tries to rush stuff, right? For sure. Yeah. And make it too, uh, yeah. Too serious business. Like, relax. Or, yeah, Guys, tense. listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. All right. Well, dude, I really appreciate the, all these insights, man. Sure. This is uh, this has been really valuable. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, the future conversations. Yeah, Maybe too. the next one is uh, got a couple martinis. Absolutely, and, uh, I'm gonna. You're gonna merge this. I'm gonna take half. <laughs> all right. Well, if you uh, if you if you, you said can, all right, tape it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> if you can do what you say you can do, I oh, will listen, more don't, than don't gladly you, don't give you half if you can turn this into something big as shit. We'll put that on camera. It already is. That's why I shut my mouth. <laughs> I know when to talk and not to talk. Allegedly. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Derek, thanks for doing this. Yeah, my man. man.